Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. This is the place to be every Thursday at 11 o'clock Pacific Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Time to be able to get incredible ideas for what you can do to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Today, I am interviewing John Carlin. John, actually this last summer, rode a bicycle across the entire state of Iowa. I'm interviewing John before he actually took the race. So the first interview you will hear, I actually recorded about six months ago. And then we will uh, re- re- play for you the follow-up interview, which I just did with, with John uh, a few days ago. Uh, and so what you'll hear is his report of his bicycle ride across Iowa, which was uh, done uh, to raise money for Parkinson's research. It's an amazing interview. And what John talks about uh, really are the many types of therapies and approaches he's used to get relief uh, from the symptoms of Parkinson's. John's interview will also be the first that will be included in the Parkinson's Recovery Weekly Reader, which will first be distributed next week. Uh, This is a brand new program where we are providing uh, to people's homes uh, copies of uh, all of the radio programs. You can always download the programs here and, of course, listen to the programs live. But if your preference would be to slip the program into your CD player or the CD player in your car as you're traveling about town, then that might be a, uh, a nice uh, possibility for you. Uh, feel free to email me, robert at parkinsonsrecovery.com. I'd be happy to explain to you how that works. There's also a page link on uh, the radio station page that you can go to that will give you information about that. Again, you can download this program and all of the programs that you hear uh, on Parkinson's Recovery directly to your MP3 player at any time in the future. They are always archived. Or if you'd prefer to listen to it on a CD, uh, you can also be able to do that at the Parkinson's Recovery Weekly Reader. Here is now the first uh, segment of my interview with John that was actually recorded six months ago. You've tuned in to Robert Rogers at Parkinson's Recovery, and I have a very special guest today. John Carlin uh, has the symptoms of Parkinson's for about seven years now. And uh, he is doing some quite incredible things to be able to feel better and get relief from him, his symptoms. So our time today is going to be spent uh, asking John every conceivable question I can think about that will help us better understand what he has done to begin to feel a lot better. So I want to say thank you for joining us today, John. Oh, my pleasure. I'm thinking what might be most interesting for people is to ask you to go back to the period which I guess was about seven or eight or more years ago when you started to having some symptoms and just to explain what those symptoms were and then what you did about them. Um, I, I guess I got diagnosed November 1st of '02, and I went to a first neurologist and he in about, in about seven minutes diagnosed me as having Parkinson's, which was lacking a lot of bedside manner there. So then I went to get a second opinion, and he took a, my, my doctor who I use now, have now, 
Um, diagnosing is the same with Parkinson's, but he took about two hours, went through every test that they have, and we went through the battery of it. Um, initially, I noticed like an internal tremor, which was equated to like when you hop out of the shower and it's freezing cold and you're still dripping wet and your body quivers. That, um, also my toothbrush wouldn't roll fast in my mouth and when I was shaving, it was the same thing. Plus, like, um, we were building a house at the time and rolling the blueprints, basically what it boiled down to is my fine motor skills were starting to slow down. That's what, and my wife also noticed, like, a lack of expression in my face. So that's where it started, and then, and then I went to the neurologist and got the diagnosis. And um, actually, when I, went to, when I went to the neurologist I go to now, he was just about to start a clinical study for a two-year program. So being that I was relatively new and I wasn't taking any medicine yet, um, I got into a clinical study for two years at the IND which is, I can't remember what they're, they're, the nomenclature stands for, but it's, it's, it's essentially the neurology department at Yale University. They spun off, and they were doing the, a, a, a third-tiered uh, test on a slower downer type of med. Oh. They had four dosages of placebo, 25, 15, 75, and it was a double-blind study. You didn't know which, you were, which one you were getting. And at the end, it was statistically no difference in any of the three, so they stopped it. But... The big thing was they had 800 people in this program in the study that they were mapping for two years at a time. So um, I started with a bang, I guess you could say, and I've been a guinea pig ever since. <laughs> uh, then then it, it, ended, it ended in 05 because I started in 03. Um, and then every two years after that now, the, the same uh, neurology department at Yale, they uh, pull us all back in uh, however many they can get. And they actually take a specs picture of your brain to see if the area of the brain affected by Parkinson has shrunk at all. And um, it's sort of funny when you get there. They're really they're great folks. And you get there and, you're, and it's time for your injection. And then they they, they uh, it's like an MRI, open face MRI, the second day. But the first day they inject you with the marker. And here you are in this little cotton gown. And the the uh, technician walks up to you like in a Darth Vader suit with all this protection and lead around the syringe, and you're going, there's something wrong with this picture. All I've got is broadcloth cotton protecting me. <laughs> you're in a Darth Vader breeze suit. So, no, no, just, you know, so I started laughing then. Um, but that's uh, the, the study that I've been through, and I've been actually going through it now for, I go back again this spring just for another follow-up with the same group, and they're just doing the same thing, checking to see how, uh, if the if my brain has grown or, or decreased, whatever. What is happening? Have they told you what the results say? Um, they show you the pictures, the great color shots, but they they you know they're they're not a doctor. They only play one on TV. So when you meet with the doctor, he hasn't had a chance to really review it as quickly as you you know because you're you're there for two and a half days, and when they and they're they're cranking through as many as they can get through on the weekends. Um, they say my brain's been shrink, or the portion of the brain that's affected by Parkinson is shrinking a little bit. But uh, I'll see what happens this next time I go. And they sort of, if there was anything really bad, they'd let you know immediately. But uh, I guess I'm not a fountain of knowledge for the answer to that question right now. Right. Are you currently taking medi medicines or supplements? Yeah, I'm taking a little bit of everything. 
the I've, I've taken Mirapex as elect. I think that's how you pronounce it, and Amantadine. And uh, I actually didn't. I'm not taking the full dosage of Amantadine because I I don't really need it yet because of all the rest of the stuff I'm doing. Um, immediately upon finding out about the PD back in 2002, I started taking CoQ10. And there was a study that was just finished back then that said it slowed down the progress. They think it slowed down the progress of the PD by about 45%. So I popped on to the CoQ10. I take 1,200 milligrams a day of that. Um, I take multivitamins, fish oil. I get a black current antioxidant uh, tablet, which is a huge antioxidant from New Zealand. I take that daily. Uh, this other stuff, uh, I just started taking it's Aquas. Uh, it's a hydration therapy. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that I've come across in everything that I take. Uh, I take it all in unison. But the uh, the Aquas, it's a it's like a, a cell hydrator. And I, I was taking it for about two weeks at a real low level. And my massage therapist, without even telling her that I was on this stuff, noticed it immediately with my muscles because she said my muscles had gone from like real stiff and cardboardish to flexible and spongy and, and, and it was just amazing she was wondering what I had done and I said the only thing I know that was different than what I had been taking was this aquas and uh, I, re I really think it's the key part of this my whole equation that I'm doing right now so that was a two week result that was two weeks at the lowest, at the lowest, almost the lowest dosage, and since then I've I've pumped it up to about. Well, actually, what you do is you put a drop in a glass of water in the morning, a drop in a glass of water in the evening, and I've worked my way up to five drops in the morning, five drops in the evening, and it's amazing. Like when I do my spinning, I'm not taxed when I get finished. Um, my recovery period is a lot quicker. This the stuff was actually made. The Aquas was actually made for a um, for a marathoner back in Australia about 10, 15 years ago, and it branched over. Um, there was a naturopath that had PD in Australia, and he started taking this because I think he knew the inventor of it, and he started taking it for his, his Parkinson's, and that's sort of where I got the idea from. He's got a book out called Stop Parking and Start Living by John C. Coleman. That's sort of, that's sort of the equation that I go upon where now he suggests a bunch of different therapies and also um, the aquas along with um, meditation, uh, bone therapy, what else have I been doing, uh, craniosacral therapy, uh, spiritual development, and this, and, uh, and this aquas hydration formula. So I've been doing all that besides I think exercise is a key figure, key point here also. Um, I'm, I'm taking glutathione, which is a huge antioxidant, um, and I'm also getting rid of the heavy metals in my system through a chelation therapy, um, which consists of intravenous and also capsules. It's getting the heavy metal out of my system, so no more rock bands for me. Are you uh, doing that with a consultation of a medical doctor then or uh, a naturopath? Or? To, I've got a, what I call my health practitioner team. Um, one of them is a naturopath. The, the first person on my list is my wife, because she's she's been great about this whole thing, and she's she's just been tremendous supportive. Um, she's a, a, a bloodhound when it comes to digging up information. The, 
within a, within days of my my getting Parkinson's uh, diagnosed in '02, I had just reams of information on my desk that she had dug up already about it. So the natural path that I use is the one that I've been doing the uh, glutathione through, and also the chelation therapy, which is the getting rid of the heavy metals. He, I go for an IV a cocktail like once a week along with capsules for the chelation therapy and the, the glutathione is just a huge antioxidant that you can take better in IV form than it is in capsule form because it goes right into your system quicker. Um, so with an IV it's an intravenous infusion right. of some substances that help remove the toxins in your body? Yes, the, it's a, called a chelator. Uh, spelled C-H-E-L-A-T-E-O-R, I believe. Um, that's for the heavy metals, and the glutathione is just a, a real strong antioxidant. You've been um, doing that now for quite a while? Or, I've been uh, doing the glutathione probably since fall of last year. In the chelation therapy, I first you, you, get, you get a test and see how much heavy metals and what heavy metals you have in your system, and you sort of build from there, and that's when... I've taken the intravenous chelation and the capsules on a daily. The, chel- the intravenous is the weekly, and the capsules are daily. So I take so, the capsules all day long. Uh, so the intravenous uh, infusion is is really a concoction that's developed as a function of what the results say about what heavy metals are in your body, or is it a is it a uh, sort of a patented standard uh, no, I, I treatment? Think Based upon what's in your system, but it's probably a combination of the two. Um, the two, the two put together, form my cocktail, my weekly cocktail. Interesting. Um, back to your question, I do have a neurologist. I have a naturopath. I have an acupuncturist, which helps with depression, which is, I think she was key real early on. Um, I have an internist, which is my regular doctor, a dentist who understands what's going on wrong and has helped me remove my fillings. Um, I've got a Pilates instructor, which helps which helps me with balance and flexibility. Um, I have a resistance trainer, which is basically weights and core bodybuilding. Um, I do energy work. I have massage therapists, and also a training buddies. The kind of, when I go out for a bike ride, those are my training buddies. So it's sort of a, a team approach to my health system or health requirements. I was mentally counting, and I counted ten members of your medical team. It sounds like it's a full group of uh, people there to support your recovery. I think, yeah, there is a lot, and I think it's really important because everybody has something to offer. And sometimes the Western medicine doesn't appreciate fully the Eastern medicine. I think the Eastern medicine is just as valid as Western is. And uh, I think they get more of a bigger picture and aren't necessarily there to give you more drugs. I mean, it's more. I was looking like when when I first got diagnosed with Parkinson's, you go through a deep depression. At least I did. And one day, my doctor said, "You know, you look pretty depressed. Let's put you on antidepressant." I said, "Well, let me try my own way. See if I can get get this nip this in the bud." And I just happened to go into my acupuncturist that week for another reason. I said, "Can you do anything for my my depression?" She said, "Sure." Pin right in the middle of the forehead, and I kid you not. I hopped off that table after about 20 minutes of the therapy, and I was laughing. <laughs> it was it was amazing. So we were joking that every time I go to see Ruth, my acupuncturist, it's one between the eyes. 
And between the eyes is where it went? Between your eyebrows, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, she's So she just put one needle there? That was it? Yeah. She may have put others in, but I, you know, I was there for, I think I had a cold at the time, and she's helped treat me for that. So she may have snuck one in here or there otherwise. <laughs> but, but basically, it's one between the eyebrows for a depression. And, and I was in contact with the one guy that, he, he was in Virginia, he had just come down with it, with PD. And I, uh, I, he said, well, is there anything you can tell me? Well, I sent him paragraphs, you know, and I finally said, i got to quit right here and just email me back with more questions. But one of them was, you know, when you first get diagnosed, the best thing you can do is get off the windowsill and step back in the room and try and deal with this as sanely as you can. And depression is a big function early on, at least it was for me. So I, I tried to get rid of that, and I was able to successfully. It wasn't one needle solved the whole thing. I, I went back, like, Every week for about a month, and then every two weeks, and every month, and after that, I, I was, shall we say, cured. So it has been relieved then as a result of that uh, yes. uh, treatment? Through acupuncture. Whoa. Can you talk some more about the uh, therapy that you said had been truly and genuinely helpful, what you call the aquas? People may not know exactly what you're talking about. You say you take a drop in the morning. Why would that affect uh, hydration in your body? Well, for what it does, it's, it's, it's a formula that helps get the water out of your gut into your system faster and then from your system to your cells faster. It also has a detoxifying effect also. So it's, uh, I, I, the only thing I can explain is that I, I've seen the results in person that it's just, it's a, it was meant to be a hydrator for, for, shall we say, well people, marathoners, and to help them, because if you didn't know anything about running, and I used to be a runner, I, I'd given my anything to have this 10 years ago. Um, you hit the wall a lot of times at 20 miles because of dehydration, and hydration is so important in daily lives and with sick people and, and healthy people that it was proven out because after this marathoner had started taking this formula, it was like 15 years ago, he had his best time ever in a marathon and never hit the wall. So it, it's, it's so key to hydrating your whole system um, because I, I know a lot of ill people go through dehydration big time, and that, help, that doesn't help at all. So when I read about it in uh, John Coleman's book, I said, you know, this has got to be for me. So, I, so like I said, after taking the one drop twice a day for two weeks, my massage therapist, without even being knowing that I was doing it, has... Um, said there was a remarkable difference, and, and, I, and I, I've noticed it too in my recovery time. And But it's, a, it's just a hydration therapy of sorts. Uh, it's a homeopathic. You, can, you can't, it doesn't cross cross with any of the, your meds, and I'm taking three. So I, I feel much better with this going through me now. And I, now that I've pumped up, to, they, uh, they recommend you stop at about five drops per, per glass of water. I take 10 drops a day. So your doctors are comfortable with your taking this therapy? It's not uh, contraindicating with any of the other medications you're taking? Well, what's interesting is my neurologist, my last visit, said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it because it's helping you um, on a daily basis. Because she was saying that um, right at my point in time, I'm seven years into this now, um, 
I should be at the second tier of medicine like a lot of other people are, and I'm not. I'm still at the first tier and not even fully there. So something's going right, and the Western medical folks are no noticing it, and the Eastern folks or the naturopaths of sorts have already known about this. So there, you know, there's no conclusive study that, that the Western medicine usually wants to see, but I'm living proof that it's working. What about your diet? Nutrition is very important. My wife is great about that. I, I can um, throw things together that are nutritionist, but she she's really she loves to cook for starters, and she knows what to make, what's nutritious, what's not nutritious. Of course, we all sort of know what's not nutritious. But my diet um, is mainly organic foods. What we did when I first came down with it, we're trying to eliminate as much probable cause of of anything else helping this disease along. So we started doing um, purified water and also organic food only, meats, chickens, and I try and stay away from meat also, so fowl and fish. Um, it's sort of like what your mother told you you needed to eat when you were younger, and now you have to eat because when you're older. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my nutrition is just as important as hydration. Uh, they sort of run hand in hand, and so does exercise. I think exercise is one of the keys, but that sort of falls back on the aqua stuff helping you with your with your exercising because especially when I'm when I'm cycling, you're putting out a lot of um, perspiration and, and hydration is very important when you're riding. So uh, there's just I've I've done a lot of things and it's it's hard to comb through all the information, but I've um, sort of gotten away from the support group. Uh, idea and have formed my own support group because the first one I went to was very depressing and I'd swear I'd never go back so we've got a friend of ours his wife has PD also so we've got our own little support group of about four people the two spouses and the two sickos and you're a very positive attitude about uh, recovery then yeah it's you know um, I don't know who I read it from but he said you know I look forward to every every year being better than the one before it was a Dr. Haydick who made the Parkinson's pyramid, which which at the cornerstones was was exercise, stress management, and nutrition. And he he put up a, put out a video, a DVD of you can't get it anymore. I don't think um, when I found when I was up at the Cleveland Clinic, seeing a neurologist, and I, he had just put it out then. And it's basically what we what you and I have just talked about: nutrition, stress management, and exercise. Um, the foundations of staying healthy, and he had Parkinson's at 38, I believe. He, he's, he's in his early 40s now, and he went in a big spiral really quickly. He so he went and did DBS, which is deep brain stimulate, um, and that helped his symptoms innumerably. But he also took the um, formed this Parkinson pyramid from all these studies, and his concept was basically. Let's help the, the cells that are dying in the brain and the healthy ones that are still there and keep them nourished and nu with nutrition. And st stress is big, is a bad no no for PD patients. But his big focus was on let's help save the weakened, the weak, weakened cells and also the ones that are still hanging around. And that's where his sort of Parkinson's pyramid came from. And that rolls right into nutrition. 
I've had the privilege of hearing uh, Dr. Haddock talk, and uh, he's quite an amazing speaker, and he does emphasize the importance of everything you just mentioned. And he, uh, he downplays the influence of the deep brain stimulation therapy. He did have that, but he certainly attributes his health and wellness to the benefits of exercise and good nutrition and uh, taking care of his body. It's, a, it's a, quite a wonderful presentation. I think the exercise is really key, and it's key for anybody, but... So that's why I'm glad I'm able to cycle and spin as much as I do. Can you please talk some about tandem biking? Okay. When I I was looking for a neurologist about two years ago because mine had left the area and have now come back, Um, and I went up to the Cleveland Clinic, and when I was going through the uh, neurological exams and whatnot, one of the doctors, neurologists I was talking to up there, one of his cohorts had just finished running a study on forced exercise on a tandem. Basically what they do is they put a healthy front rider in the, and then they take a Parkinson patient in the back rider and for eight weeks they rode three days a week, one hour at a time with a cadence of about 80 to 90 RPMs and that was key because if, that's why the PD patient was on the back because the front healthy rider, and not, again this, this tandem is on rollers and it's indoors, um, forces the Parkinson's patient to keep up the pace from 80 to 90 RPMs. And they found that it reduced their symptoms, and the reduction in symptoms lasted for for a period of time. And it all came from the RAGBA ride, because I guess a friend of um, Dr. Albert's was, um, had Parkinson's, and but she kept telling everybody that after each ride each day, she felt great, and, and, and her symptoms were like almost gone. So he came back into the laboratory. I think he's a biomedical engineer with the PhD. Some, and uh, he concocted this forced exercise on the tandem. And uh, what I've done to duplicate that here at the house, since I don't have a tandem, I've got a spinning bike, and I just I've got a computer on the front of my spinning bike, and I do the same the same uh, exercise that they do. They warm up for 10 minutes, and then they ride for. 40 minutes straight at the high RPMs, and they warm, warm down for 10. And I've noticed, besides losing weight, um, I used to have a party ball belly, and now I'm up to about a 12-pack. Uh. <laughs> All the people talk about, I've got a six-pack, well, I'm sort of staying at a 12-pack right now. Um, but there's multiple benefits to that, is you've got, you're getting exercise, you're getting fit, and hopefully you're slowing down the process of PD. So his study, I just or his um, yeah, his study that he ran, I've been duplicating it now since uh, like September of last year. And I think it really, along with now that's where the aqueous falls into play again because of the hydration. I've noticed that since I've been taking it, when I hop off my spinning bike, my recovery period is next to nothing, and I'm in much better shape than I was when I wasn't taking it. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, the aqua hydration uh, yeah. uh, therapy that you've been recently taking, so you've noticed an effect just in terms of your recovery from exercise. Exactly. Because when I would come out of Pilates class, which I do, I, I recommend that for um, balance and flexibility, I would just be fried. And same thing with the um, the resistance training. I'd be fried. But I've noticed that I, I come out of those sessions pretty much recovered recover fairly quickly from it all and benefit from it. 
So to be to be clear about the uh, the treatment uh, regimen that you've adopted for the bike exercise, you are doing that by yourself. Correct. Uh, you don't have another person who's in a two-seater uh, kind of tandem bike, and exactly they're not then they're not pulling you along in any sense. But you you're, you're using the principles of that yourself. Correct. Correct. To make sure that you keep up the pace and uh, and you do exactly what it is that you'd be able to do if somebody were there in the front, but it sounds like you're also saying that this particular idea could apply to a person uh, who would like to be able to get a tandem bike, and then if they happen to have the symptoms, they could sit in the back seat, right. and then a person who uh, is uh, totally healthy in every respect might sit in the front seat, and then they could drive the bike. That's imperative because it's the front healthy person that can keep the cadence up in that zone. And again, it's not they're not you're not riding. It's hard to find a straightaway for 40 minutes that you can crank out 80, 90 RPMs outside. That's why I believe he's got it set up on the inside. You know, they take the front tire off, put the forks in a holder, and then put rollers on the back tire. Yeah. And they have timers and a, a computer on the bike, making sure that you stay within that zone. So based on that, I've just duplicated it without a front rider because I don't have a, a tandem right now. Right. You know, it, it sounds like it would be such a wonderful activity for a couple to do or uh, two individuals, one who has the symptoms and one who doesn't. Exactly. And uh, for a person who wants to do something for their friend or their wife or husband or loved one, uh, it would be such a good activity because it's a good activity for both people. Right. Oh, sure. Both both people are getting incredible benefits, and uh, that so sort of falls in place with. Um, I've tell, I tell a lot of friends that, that I've got PD and stuff because, a, you get somebody to ride in the front of your tandem with you, and also the more eyes and ears you have looking out for information for you, the better off you are, because you know as an individual you can only dig through so much on the internet. After a while, it gets blurry, and you never know who's going to find something different. And they, they also help. They they understand your sickness. Um, I really had no one turn me away just because I had the tremors and such. Um, but it, it's a good support group for you because they understand. They may not understand what you're going through, but they understand that you're sick and you're trying to do something better for yourself. Another exercise I do is anything with my brain. There's a, there's, it's funny, my son has a Nintendo DS, and they have a game called Brain Age that um, helps your frontal cortex fire because it just runs you through about a five-minute little drills of declining numbers, increasing numbers, um, just doing a string of information. Is it like a video game where you click on yeah, stuff? Yeah, exactly what it is. It's Nintendo DS. It's those little pocket-sized things your kids play with. And, it, and it's got a thing called Brain Age. Um, I also do different things, like instead of brushing my teeth with my right hand, you brush your teeth with your left hand, um, walk around a room with your eyes shut, uh, one, I would talk to this one doctor, and he was saying, just take 15 minutes of vegging a, a day. Um, learn a new subject. It's just to keep the brain going. Um, we're taking a, currently taking an Econ 101 class trying to figure out what the world's going through right now. Uh, great idea. But things like that. And, uh, and also, uh, you try not to look at failures. You try to look forward to a new way of doing something. Like... I'm a big advocate for using electric toothbrush instead of a regular toothbrush because you figure out that what's around you is going to help you. Um, same thing with the with the razor and the shaver. Um, 
I'll, I'll use my left hand. I'm right-handed, and that, that, by the way, my right hand was what started going bad on me first. So my left hand sort of has taken over, so I do a lot of different things with my left hand that I would normally do with my right. So you become amb- ambidextrous then as a result. I won't, Yeah, pretty close to that, yeah. I, I haven't got the writing thing down yet, but um, I also volunteer for clinical studies, like that first one I went through that didn't come for anything, but... At least I got free medical for two years. Um, there's that was called the precept study, and now there's a the postcept study, which is what I told you about. Also, um, I belong to a, a local Parkinson's association here in the Rockies, and uh, I learned about a lot of different studies that are going on that you can volunteer for. One was that I recently did was I went and talked to a second year med student at the local medical school, and it was just like a Q and A process and. I just told him what I basically what I've told you all through what I've what I've been through and where I found my relief and uh, a lot of it's from humor. That's what gets me through the day. Um, anything I can find uh, that's a good laugh. Uh, it helps you. It just helps you innumerably. But I, I'll do a lot of volunteer for those clinical studies. Um, what else have I done? Um, I'm still. I haven't stopped doing anything that I've been doing in the past which I think is important, um, like bicycling. Uh, I'm a big, rabid fly fisherman, so I still fly fish. I used to be on search and rescue here in local, my local county. I retired from that just because I wouldn't spend enough time with the family. Um, hiking, camping, traveling. Uh, I volunteer at my kids' school, and I don't know if I told you, I'm a full-time dad. They call me FTD, <laughs> or else John and the moms. Um, I'm a Cub Scout leader with my son. I'm one of my leaders in my, my daughter's Girl Scout troop. I, I, I'm the family bus driver. Just you, you just can't stop doing the things you've been doing unless you physically can't do it anymore. And uh, you're scheduled to uh, ride a bike across Iowa here uh, yeah. soon. The Ragbra, which um, is a it's a it's a 460-mile bike ride from the west side of Iowa to, to the east side of Iowa, and you ride about 65 miles a day from July 19th this year to the 25th, I believe. And then every night you camp in a different little town in Iowa, and the whole town comes out for you. So I'm looking forward to that, and that's where a lot of my spinning training has come in because... Um, up here in the Rockies, it's still a little windy and still a little chilly out. But uh, as soon as the weather breaks, I'll be outside pedaling my little rear end off. In training to be able to get ready to do that very long ride. Exactly. And, uh, so uh, to be clear for everybody listening, you, you live in uh, Colorado or the Rockies. Yes. And so you're traveling to Iowa to uh, go through this uh, nationally known race, which I suppose means anybody else that's so motivated might be able to still, is there still time to sign up and uh, do the race? Yes, April 1st, I think, is the cutoff for electronic um, signing up, registering uh, on, on online. Paper uh, registration is over with already, but April 1st, I think, is a cutoff date, so if you still have any interest in being a crazy nut and riding 460 miles this summer, um, you can still do it. And the other thing you mentioned, this was before we turned the recording on, is that uh, the tendency is for people to gain weight, not lose weight on this experience. A real good friend of ours has ridden it five times, and he said it's the only race he's ever ridden in 
that he gained weight at the end of it. And and you'll have to explain to people why that is. Well, the whole city, the whole state comes out for this race, and it goes through every, all these little small towns through Iowa. And he said you'd be riding along, and you'd have already left this, this little city here, Hamlet, and all of a sudden, three miles out on the highway is a waffle stand. And they, they, they cook up a storm at every town you stay in. Every night you stay in a different town, progressing from the west side to the east side. And, and it's like there's bands, there's it's a real party attitude, and just a lot of fun. People riding across the, the state, and they uh, brought worse. And just he, he went on and on and on and on and on. And you start drooling hearing his side of the story. <laughs> But I thought that was pretty funny when he said that he'd gained weight at the end of this ride. And he's gone back five times to do it. That is not only funny, but unexpected, I might say. Oh, totally. 460 miles? Come on. You'd think you'd be a waste by the time you're done. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to bring my Aquas with me. Keep me high. Right. Cause it's Those will make really... a big difference, I bet. Oh, the humidity is supposed to be terrible, too, during the summer in Iowa. Yeah. So you'll be able to retain the water a lot better with the aquas. Exactly. And it also gets rid of toxins in your system. So like this book that I was reading by John Coleman said that it, when you first start, about a small percentage of the people who, who start taking it will experience some ill feelings, and that's basically the toxins coming out of your cells better because of the aquas. So you just gut your way through that and continue on. I, I guess I do that with everything. You just sort of know there's a goal at the end. Hopefully it's not an oncoming train, and you just gut it out and continue through it all. And eventually you come out on the other side, hopefully in a positive sense. You mentioned body therapies or something that you pursue. Can you explain to people more about what that's all about for you? Um, I do, let's see, I've got a massage therapist who I think is relatively important. And I've, I've got my wife just came back from getting trained in a Bowen therapy, which is, I can't explain that, but it deals more with the connectors of your muscles than it does the muscles themselves. And it's not like a deep tissue massage or a light tissue massage, but the Bowen therapy, I think it's spelled B-O-W-E-N. Um, I, I just started doing that because I, I, that came from that John Coleman book I was reading, um, Massage Therapy. There's something called craniosacral therapy. I don't you have to excuse me if I butcher the name up. Um, craniosacral therapy, which my naturopaths office they do that. Um, so I'm trying to think what else I do. I, I do um, Pilates because that helps a lot of. That's working. I work on my balance and my flexibility there. And then uh, the weight training is or resistance training. It's, it's building up your core muscles so you don't slouch as much as we've been known to slouch. So it helps with the posture? It helps extremely with the posture. So the um, Pilates is, is also, I, I do Pilates on the machines. There's Pilates on the mat and Pilates on the machines, and I do the machines because I just have gotten, I, I got started on the machines and I just continued on those. So it, and you it mentioned you have a coach that helps with that, is that right? I've got uh, my, uh, my Pilates instructor who is relatively versed in Parkinson's problems. So all the exercises we do um, are geared towards keeping my flexibility up 
because as we all know, with Parkinson's, sometime possibly you, your flexibility decreases and your balance goes. So I do a lot of balancing uh, things at the Pilates class and also um, at home. You got, I don't know if you've ever seen those wobble boards. There's like a half a ball underneath a piece of wood. You try and balance in the middle of it. I'll, I'll do that about for five minutes uh, a couple times a week at the house, along with um, doing it in, in a Pilates class. And then resistance training is keeping your muscles toned and, and helping strengthen your inner core muscles that you've got and whatnot. Like I said earlier, going from a party ball belly to a 12-pack and someday maybe a 7- or 8-pack. <laughs> but I think that's very important. There's just there's, there's so many different aspects that I go through. It's If I didn't have my scheduler, I'd be lost trying to keep up with everything. What have you tried that did not help? Sport group. <laughs> um, I just didn't have a good experience with that. That was from your, the mental aspect. Um, I do I do energy work, too. Um, I can't explain that because I don't know a lot about it, but my wife does, and she has uh, a group that she goes to for energy work, for lack of a better word. I can't think of what else they call it. Um, sort of a balancing your chakras and your medians and whatnot. Um, that the jury's still out on with me. I still do it, but I don't know if it's if it's beneficial or not. Uh, some people totally believe in it. Um, Are you doing this in a group setting? No, it's an individual. Oh. I have done a, a sweat lodge before, which was um, that was an interesting experience. It was a closed-in tent, more like skins. Because we did it in Arizona, and it was run by two uh, facilitators, and uh, that lasted like two and a half hours. And I was more worried about getting my 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 body out of that hot tent <laughs> than I was worried about picking up what what kind of spiritual work that they were working on. But um, I've done a lot. So that was not a good experience. I would say. If, you're, if, if you have a bad heart or, or health condition, not to do it. But I, I'm glad I did it once. I don't know if I'd do it again. But it was it was a it was just an interesting experience. It wasn't a good or bad. But because I was so concerned about the heat and getting cooled off, I didn't focus as much on the spiritual aspect of it as I guess they wish you would. You've identified a number of individuals that are on your medical support team. How do you find good health care practitioners to see? You know, you, you go to the Internet and you do some digging there. You find out how long they've been practicing, where they've been practicing, what their accreditations are. Um, when I went to the Cleveland Clinic, by chance I fell into um, with Dr. Vitek and all, and. And then, then that led to uh, Dr. Hadick and also the uh, Dr. Albert, the uh, tandem guy, force exercise. Some of it's just been, I'm Irish, so some of it's been pure luck. Others has been word of mouth, um, talking with people like in my little support group. We, uh, we talk all the time about what, what's the latest thing you've read, who have you heard about, what have you heard about, have you heard anything more about stem cells? You know, what have you heard about um, uh, just of numerous subjects? But I think it's been a little, it's been half like research, half by chance. Um, 
but it just it takes a lot of time to try and figure out who I should be going to see, what I should be going to see, why I should be going to see this person. Do I need to have somebody else to my health practitioner team, you know? Um, is everybody covering what I need to be covered? It's it's, it's sort of mind-boggling. and It's almost a full-time job, it sounds like. Yeah, you sort of got to get your arms around it as best you can. You won't be able to totally, but still, you got to try. And I guess that's one of the spirits is just keep on trying and never give up. So it sounds like the, the Galaxy Quest movie. I'd like to ask you to compare your life before uh, Parkinson's emerged in your life uh, seven years ago and then since then. How has your life changed uh, since you have uh, uh, been experiencing the symptoms of Parkinson's? It's definitely different now. Um, I still go on with what I've been doing, like I went through the list earlier, fly fishing stuff. I still do all that. Um, physically, there's a slowing down. Um, I think everybody experiences that. And fortunately for me, I've still been able to keep my physical fitness relatively high. Um, mentally, it, there's this cat in the back of your brain that's always meowing to remind you that you have it, um, plus whatever symptoms you have. My cousin, who passed away a few years ago, gave me a great analogy she said and she had she'd gone through two forms of breast cancer Lyme disease um, a couple other things and then and then, and then finally leukemia took her down but she said you treat it like it's an elephant in the room and your job is to shrink that elephant to smaller sizes so you can deal with it better the elephant's always going to be there but it's your job to shrink it down and when you're having a bad day, it's because the elephant farted, and it's your job to fan that. <laughs> but what I would have, I, you know, I started out with this humongous elephant in my room seven years ago, and when it, when it, when it gets you down, you just think of the elephant analogy and continue to try and shrink it. And again, the elephant's always going to be there, but someday it's smaller, it's a small baby elephant, and every once in a while it passes gas. But I think that's one of the best things I've ever heard from anybody about how to handle it. Um, stress is a big no-no. Although you can't avoid it, you just try and put it away in a file file drawer and uh, go on with your life. The, uh, it's, Do you see a direct connection between times when you are stressed and your symptoms? Yes, I think so. I think like when I'm stressed, my tremors come out more in my hand than anywhere else. Um, and then as soon as you, one of my uh, of psychologists I went to, he said, if you feel that stress ramping up, try and get yourself to a place mentally where it's before the stress started and put, the, put your heels in the ground and try and bring yourself back down before the stress arrives so that you don't, so it doesn't take take hold of you, which sometimes it does. It just especially early on. Early early on you're you're I was a basket case, but I was trying to gut it out and try to get through it all. But um I try and try and get rid of the stress as best as you can. 
You know, one thing I've got to believe about getting back to that aqua stuff is that because I'm getting better hydration in the cells and getting rid of the toxins better, I've got to believe that the medicine that I'm taking is getting in there better. And hopefully, because it gets in there in a more, a, a better, more better, and there's no such thing, but um, that it'll help me not having to keep bumping up my meds Right. As possible, or, you know, as quick as they, they say that it happens. There's another thought that I've had uh, just recently about a better hydrated body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work on uh, the what we call, or I'm calling the five steps to recovery about thought forms and how thought forms affect our ability to recover and how quickly we recover. So if we're holding negative thoughts, those have very low vibrational frequencies, and they tend to drag us down into a state of depression. Mm-hmm. But if we have positive thoughts, it's very different. That's a very high frequency. And when the body is well hydrated, it's much easier for, the, for those high frequencies to be sustained and for positive thought forms to be supported. Mm-hmm. So the physical hydration of the body has a direct impact on a person's ability to shed all of those negative thought form behaviors and templates and sustain then the positive expectations of what really is possible with, with regard to their health and wellness. My, uh, when I was talking to my Pilates instructor about this, she was like going gonzo because she's been trying, you know, she's in the business of, of informing and teaching her, her students like myself. And she said that, that uh, hydration is so important. She whipped out like three or four books that she had right there. And she, she was like, you know, she wanted to get, learn more about it when, after I could get her some more information. But and the same thing held true with my massage therapist and my physical my resistance trainer. They were all over because they know the importance of hydration and how important it is. Um, so they, I was just stunned at the response I got just from what I, because of what I've done and, and what I'm taking. So, you know, she, I mean, my, my Pilates instructor was hilarious. She just said, well, there's this book on, on on hydration, there's this book, there's this book, and she just went down the list about how important hydration was. So it sort of sort of bolstered up my thoughts on what I was doing myself with the Aquas. I have known John uh, Coleman, the author of the Stop Parking and uh, Start Living book that you mentioned earlier now for about uh, four years. And when I first met John, he started talking about the aquas and how they were so beneficial to him and how they recommended it to his own clients, uh, given that he's a naturopath doctor. So because we were working with uh, individuals with Parkinson's, I decided, well, uh, I don't know about this, but I ought to try it myself. So Deborah and I ordered... uh, a set of bottles for each of us. Uh, they come in a morning bottle and an evening bottle, so we had a male bottle for me and a, and a female bottle for her. And uh, my own personal experience was I, uh, I took them uh, in the morning, uh, my, my three or four drops in the morning, and then I went out for my regular run, and uh, I have never run so effortlessly in my life. <laughs> what is this? I don't, I don't get it. I don't see what happened. So my experience actually is a bit like yours. I mean, I could not believe the difference in my ability to sustain a run up a, a, a steep gradient 
And uh, so I got, I was instantly convinced. I said, I thought this was homeopathic. I thought this would take a while to actually show some uh, effectiveness. But uh, and I think that's true for different people. But boy, for me, it was uh, it was quite remarkable. I said, Oh, I know what John is talking about now. It really does make a difference. I totally agree with you. That's what my experience was, has been with uh, the spinning. I mean, you just like you can't believe it's the same person on a bike. Huh? That's amazing. Well, on the uh, for those of you who are listening on the telephone, um, you may not have a direct connection to be able to get more information about the aquas. But there is a website out there that you can go to that gives you some detailed information about what they are uh, so that you can learn more about them. And that website is www.aquas.us. And for those of you that are looking on the computer screen at the at the teleseminar announcement page, there's just a link there at the very top that gives you some information about the aquas, what they're about, and uh, so you can get more information about them there. And given that you've talked quite a bit, uh, John, about John Coleman and his book, I'll be sure to put up a link on the teleseminar page as well so people can get more information about John's book, um, which is actually it's becoming a a big seller. Uh, Many, many people are finding it useful. Amazon was out of it for about two weeks. That's right. It's selling so well, it's hard for them to stock it at Amazon with hard copies. We got we got a downloadable version. Um, I actually helped uh, create a downloadable version so people could actually see it and read it on their computer and get the hot links. Uh, but I think they're having some trouble actually stocking it in Amazon in a in a hard uh, paperback version mm-hmm. because of the demand. There's a I found another book called What's Shaken. It's about a guy, it's an insider look at the humorous side of Parkinson's disease. It might add a little humor to your daily life. I know I have, I look for humor all the time. It's by John Brissett. It just sort of takes the edge off of, off of Parkinson's, and that's what I've done for years now. It's just sort of, you know, you're living with it, you're dealing with it. You know, it might as well be part of your daily life because it is. Be elephant or not in the room, um, and I found that humor is the best uh, medicine for it. I've read some of his book, and it's it's marvelous. It's quite refreshing and delightful. Oh yeah. What would you say to a person who has just recently been diagnosed with the symptoms of Parkinson's? Um, well, I, that just came up a couple about a month ago with that gentleman from Virginia. And first, you got to try and get your yourself back inside the window, like I keep saying, and try and do as much research and educate yourself as much as you can about this. Um, Do searches on the Internet, because they'll come up with tons of information. The Michael J. Fox Foundation is good for information. That's big money going after possibly cures. Um, You just sort of got to, and you got to find a good set of health practitioners like I was like I've put together I know you can't put those together immediately but um try and do just research the dickens out of it um and try and keep your head about yourself and not going off the deep end because um you don't have to there's everybody else out there doing doing the same thing you are and 
you know, education. Oh, one of the big things that I would highly stress is when you do go to your your health practitioner, be it your internist, your neurologist, naturopath, bring another set of ears along, because you like I, my wife comes to all my my appointments with me, and you'll be sitting there, and, and your practitioner will say something, and you'll get fixated on that, and the practitioner continues on with the conversation, and you totally fixated on the first part of this conversation, and miss all the rest. So having another set of ears is very important when you go see your practitioners. Well, it's pretty clear that the symptoms that you've experienced over the last seven years haven't uh, been an impediment to you in living the life that you wanted to leave, uh, uh, particularly in light of the fact that you're about to uh, travel on a bike across the state of Iowa. (laughs) Nuts or not, I guess I'm going to be there. How do you stay positive about your recovery? Um, it's incrementally. I mean, like, when, when I find something new that will help me stay where I'm at or improve my quality of life, it just, it's a constant look for those things. And uh, talking with people like yourself, um, I, I don't know, it's just sort of my nature to, to be in, in a good, good frame of mind. But it's just it's an effort, I will say that, because so every you have bad days, you know, there's gas in the room from the elephant every once in a while for for who knows how long. But you just sort of got to try and stay positive and, and look towards the sunny side of the street, as that song goes. And that, that one that one doctor said, you know, don't look at the failures, look forward to the new way of doing it. And I guess that's what it's just the failures are dead soldiers by the wayside. And there's more to life. You know, live every day for the day. I guess that's the best way I've come to deal with my uh, situation. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. You've been listening to my pre-recorded interview with John Carlin, recorded in March of 2009. For those of you who haven't heard, we are offering for the first and only time this year in 2009, Jump Start to Wellness. It's a two-and-a-half-day live event where we help everyone present transform all thought forms that are not in their highest and best good, which means that uh, we restore thought forms that are conducive to full health and wellness. It's an exciting uh, opportunity for us to be able to come out with all the work that we've been doing here for individuals in uh, Olympia, Washington. The event will be held at the Little uh, Little Creek Resort Hotel, which is uh, just north of Olympia, Washington. For more information, you can go to our main website. I'm going to now play the follow-up interview with John Carlin just recorded October 22nd, 2009, where he discusses what happened with the ride across Iowa. So this is Robert again, and this is a follow-up discussion with John Carlin. You just heard my interview with John in March of 2009. And at that point, uh, John was uh, talking about uh, doing a very significant uh, race uh, across the entire state of Iowa. It is now October of 2009. It's basically six months later. And I'm now uh, asking John to tell us about how was the race. John, thanks for joining us. Hey, Robert. Thanks a lot. 
Um, the race was tremendous. That's something I have never really done before. Um, I'd like to. I want to do it again, probably the next year. Uh, it was a great group of people that we were that I was riding with. It was a, the group called uh, Pedaling for Parkinson's, and uh, there was four, roughly forty of us. The, uh, the the race itself there was twenty thousand people in it. Like half of them were registered, the other half weren't. Whoa. It was just it was just masses riding, but we had a wonderful time. We were on a tandem. I don't, I don't know if I told you that or not. We were going to ride a tandem for the ride, and I got one of my old buddies from growing up, who I've known since like fourth grade. Um, and we had last time he and I had been on a tandem together was like sixth grade. <laughs> it was the group. Our group was sort of questioning uh, our, our what we had in mind and. It worked out great eventually. He, um, um, I called him Captain Bly because he had a tight, tight ship. Um, <laughs> he was perfect for being in the front seat, and I was I, all I wanted to be was a stoker, which is the person who rides in the back seat, because I just wanted to crank along and take in everything that was going by. I'll tell you this: I don't want to see another stock of corn as long as I live, <laughs> and or pigs. There are more pigs in uh, Iowa than there are humans. So <laughs> between the corn, uh, this corn was incredible. It was like ten feet tall. Uh, and it was just everywhere. You truly, the, you truly experienced the state of Iowa. Then it sounds like I'll tell you, the folks in Iowa are just incredible people. They opened up their towns to you uh, because, uh, like February first, the the, uh, the route is determined. So they've got from February to the end of July to prep their towns. And get ready for it all. I mean, it's. I think we rode in the 37th annual one, so they've been doing this a while. They know what they're doing. I kid you not. Every yard we went by, it was like they had sent out an all points bulletin to everybody along the route: trim your grass. Oh wow! Everybody's lawn was perfectly manicured. It didn't matter if we were out in the South 40 somewhere or in Ottumwa, Iowa. Everybody's grass was cut. Um, the people were just genuinely just so friendly. You'd come into town, and they were like, you know, this is a big thing for them because generally a town might see the rag ride ride through their place maybe once in 12 years. Oh. There's just so, so many different routes they can go. Um, we, the weather was uncharacteristically cool, which was good. Um, you know, we were in the sultry part of the summer, end of July, 1st of August. And all the two days were just perfect riding. The two days, one, one was a, <clears throat> a 60 to 70 miler, 74 miles, I think, and it was hot, and we had a headwind. And the other day was, uh, it, like, rained most of the day. And uh, the only scary thing about the rainy day was we were about to come to our first hill going downhill, and uh, Captain Bly goes, well, George, we're ready to go down, and we have no brakes. <gasps> Oh no! Because you, you know how you, when you ride you're in wet water, yeah. water's always water's always wet. Yeah. Um, your your brakes just get coated with water until they squeeze you off. So I just said, you know, if I'm not on the back when you get down to the bottom and wreck, it's because I bailed off. <laughs> Come back and get me. Come back and get me. <laughs> and, that, and with that in mind, I unclipped my heels uh, out of my out of my pedals so oh. I was ready to go. But it was just it was wonderful. We we had a. Uh, uh, Jay Albert, the neuroscientist who headed up this group, he had uh, booked like private individuals' front yards ahead of schedule, ahead of time, so that every time we came to town, 
we set up tents in, in a, somebody's private yard instead of tent city, which was like this. Um, it was like tent city was like if you took bubble wrap, the bubble pack, you know, uh-huh. laid it out. There's just a bazillion tents. Oh, and, you wow. Know, football fields, park gardens in the, in the city. I mean, any any place where they could find a high school high school parade grounds, parks, uh, you name it. That's where tent cities were set up. And every town you came to, it was like a Fourth of July celebration. They just, they just rolled out the red carpet for you. I can't tell you how many towns we came to, and when we were riding into the town, they had these the cherry pickers, you know, the, the trucks that... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They had the cherry pickers extended totally up in the air and draped across it with an American flag flying through it. It was so cool. Wow. So we had... It was a... It was a it's, it's hard to explain it to someone who hasn't ridden it, but it just... You know, every day we were riding between, like, 50 and 70 miles. And we would, Captain Brian and I'd take off. We wouldn't get up any earlier than six, because we we always figured we'd be the last ones leaving anyways. So uh, about I'd say half the group, if not more, was up like crack of dawn, oh dark thirty, and they would be gone by like mm, quarter to six, six o'clock. Because if you wanted to beat the crowd, you had to get up early. Oh, that's interesting. Because mm-hmm. when when we were riding along in the tandem, we were in the midst of it all. And you you had the right. It was mainly two two lane roads, and the right side of the the road was everybody riding along. The middle along the dotted line was where the tandems rode, and or the people who were passing with speed. Oh. So, I mean, you you're having to fight people. So most of our group was up and gone by the time we got out of bed. So you didn't have and, to uh, fight the group. Fight right. The crowd, so, so we just speak. we just put up with it, and we had a great time. A lot of the people that was. Um, that we met in our group, we didn't. I didn't know any a soul except for Captain Blind Jay. Um, they were wonderful people. They came from Minnesota, Boston, Chicago. I was from Denver. Captain uh, Blind was from Virginia. Uh, just all over the place. You know, Jay and a couple others were from Cleveland. In fact, it was interesting. My hometown was from Cleveland, and there's a couple guys that actually live in my hometown now, which I never would have known. Oh, is that right? Having up and sitting around and asking. So you'd take off and you'd ride between four to six hours, come back to where we were set up, you'd set your tent up, um, then you'd, um, we'd, we'd form a circle with those, you know, those soccer mom chairs that fold up for nine ninety nine. <laughs> right. We'd, we'd set a circle up and, and everybody would be put like sort of like a list going because every, every home that we stayed at, they opened up their showers to us. And also their laundry machines for oh, biking gear. Oh, how wonderful! Oh. So you get in line for the shower, and then also um, a massage therapist from Denver here came along with us. So we had our own masseuse. So you get in line for the shower, and you get in line for Susie who was the masseuse. Whoa! You were treated like kings and queens, uh, weren't it you? Was wonderful! <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, and we just, you know, we did our own thing every day. And you come when you come back into camp. Uh, your gear would be out of, we had a 29 foot trailer that was said pillin for Parkinson on it. it was our bike trailer and gear hauler and we had a, uh, like a camper van type of thing uh-huh. for like sag wagons which I don't think anybody really needed a sag wagon as far as I knew that I heard out of everyone and you'd come in you'd put your bike over by the, by the, uh, trailer come, and you'd come back and work on it after you showered and stuff and then everybody just sort of sit around in the mid afternoon just and take it in the day and, then we decide where we're going to go eat because we always either walking distance or very close to the center of 
of what they call the expo and where um, the like the bike shops were and the things you could buy and um, food was there and so that was like the core of like Tent City. Uh-huh. So we'd, we'd always be away from Tent City of sorts, but close enough to you know walk over to it, which was really nice because then you you go to it you get away. Cause yeah, you could check out the scene, but you go back home to the yeah, exactly to the quiet neighborhood, so to speak. We had the um, our our tent was the largest tent in our group. We called it the, the Taj Mahal tent. Taj <laughs> Mahal. It was like a six man dome. Oh. We, had, we had two cots. And uh, two chairs, and we had like lanterns hanging from the ceiling, and people with two, the fellow bikers would just laugh, and they go, um, "Where, where's the garage? Where's the basement?" You know. Yeah. So it was it was wonderful, and and Jay, our neuroscientist from the Cleveland Clinic, he um, he gave two talks. To one was to a, uh, a Parkinson's group in in the town that we were in, and the other one was to a, a, a senior center. Some who had Parkinson's, some who did not, and that went over really well. We got a lot of exposure with that, and our our goal was to raise everybody's awareness of Parkinson's. And we had I don't know if I, I showed you the pictures of we had special jerseys made up, and we had um, that had like a black silhouette on on it with DBS deep brain stimulation yep, yep, picture yep. on it, uh-huh. and on the front it said it's not brain surgery, on the back it said just pedal. <laughs> That's great. And then our, our helmet skins were the same color, the, the multicolored brain. So you'd be riding along, you could tell us anywhere oh, in the that's crowd. so cool. It was, it was a great conversation starter for Parkinson. I can't tell you how many people, we'd be, we'd be pedaling along, and someone would come up to us and go, well, what's what's the deal with your, you know, your... Your helmets. Get <laughs> up, Batman. And we'd, just, you know, we'd have a 25-minute conversation as you're riding across Iowa on a bike. Wow. About all the different aspects of Parkinson's and things that we're going through, and what's new. What's, you know, like I remember one guy in particular. He said his wife had just come down with it about a year ago, and she's a, a, a nurse. And uh, he was just wanted to know, you know, because I told him I had it, and uh, he wanted to know what I was doing and all this stuff. And we just started talking, and like some of the things I do are alternate medicine things. Some are your Western medicine, and and he said, "Oh, that's not my wife." I said, "What?" And he goes, "She's a nurse." and she won't do anything that the the medical profession doesn't tell her not to do, you know, not yeah, to do. Right. So I said, well, you know, you just got to be open to listening to other things. But so you know, we just had great conversations like that, and there was four of us that had Parkinson's on the ride, um, and I, the the one incredibly unifying factor about us all was that we were all out there doing something about it. It was all based on you know what we were doing was is horse exercise, basically the bike ride that Jay did a study on earlier in 2008. Um, but we all were out there doing something about it, not sitting there going, geez, you know, this is going to overwhelm me. I, I don't know what to do. And you raised quite a bit of money, too. Uh, yeah, personally, I, yeah, I was I was pretty happy with it. I got some very nice folks that helped me. Um, and what we were raising money for, uh, I don't know what the final count was, but our, our our fundraiser was for the Davis Finney Foundation in Boulder. Um, Davis Finney, if people remember, he's a biker. I think he's from the 80s. Right, um, right. In the Olympics, he was in uh, uh, the Tour de France, and he came down with Parkinson's. I want to say he's had it for eight, nine years, I think. Um, but that's what we, what we were raising our funds for. Oh, that's amazing. So uh, Jay Alberts was actually writing on this entire trip. 
Yes. Uh, I interviewed uh, Jay in a pro radio program in April of this year, and he talked about all the incredible groundbreaking research that he was doing. And I just want to point out, he didn't—he doesn't just talk about this stuff; he does it. I mean, he, he was out there participating in this race. How would you get to all this? Ken Bly and I were going up this hill one day on the tandem during the ride, and all of a sudden I feel his hand on my back. And I, and Captain Bly goes, George, what are you doing? And I said, you know, going to believe this. Jay had caught up to us from behind on a tandem by himself because his, his son was riding with him and he dropped his son off of one of the towns behind us. And so he catches up to us on the uphill of a hill, puts his hand on the back of me, and pushes us more faster up the hill. Oh, he did. That's yeah. really and great. Scott, and Ken Bly goes, what is going on here? And I said, it's Jay. And, and he pushes up the hill, talked a little about it, and he just blew past us. <laughs> he, he was by himself on the tandem. Oh, that's a great story. He's oh, doing man. he's doing incredible work, I want to say. Yeah. Incredible. Now, uh, tell us what's happened over the last six months. So we had a pretty good report of you up until March. This is October. What's happened in the last six months well, besides I, the race? I, I sort of got a new lease on life. I, I don't know where. It just sort of all gradually started happening. I think some. I think it's all been related to everything I'm doing and in, incorporating all different types of therapies. Um, I feel pretty normal as, as it, if it comes down to it, if there can be defined normal. Um, I've been biking. I still spin three days a week. Uh, biking's come, is cutting down a little bit outside because of uh, the weather. So I, I still spin three days a week. Um, I'm on the Aquas uh, hydration formula, which has been, I think, a, a godsend. Uh, I take a lot of homeopathic antioxidants. Um, I have my, my meds from my neurologist uh, I think it's just and I have a real positive attitude toward things uh, humor is what helps get me through for instance um, talking about it with people uh, there's a the university medical school here in, in Denver they have a what I call a disease du jour uh, for their second year at students and what they do is they, they bring in like for ours it's movement disorders and we'll go into the classroom with about 12 to 20 students and the two and two professors in there with you or, or teachers and they'll just fire questions at you and here's my opportunity to talk to future doctors telling them giving them suggestions on you know my first doctor I think if you recall was not so good he he subjected me to very minimal testing and within seven minutes he, I go through Parkinson's sit here take your pills here's some brochures call me in six months and we'll see how you're doing you walk out of there and you're going, oh, this is just incredible. I can't believe you did it this way. So then my second doctor was a lot more thorough in who we went with today. But that's what I wanted to stress to these folks is that, you know, the extra 5 or 10 or 15 minutes they spend with their, spend with their patient can make all the difference in the world. And like, I, I like to say that, you know, when you get Parkinson's, you're like standing on the windowsill. You don't know if you should jump or should walk back in. And a good doctor should be able to coax you back in. And even if it pumps is scheduled back a half hour at the end of the day, the time you spend with your patients is very important. So I stress that to these students. And then we, you know, go back and go into further things, you know, what's going on with me, you know, what are you taking? Um, and I said one of the best things is, is humor, that I, I, you know, I listen to as much humor as I can. Just to, to you know, you, you got to live with this. 
and you got to live with it as best you can. And that's why I'm doing it through exercise, and it's just a, it's like a cornucopia of uh, therapies that I do. Um, and I just try to stress that to these folks that you know you got to get out there and do something about it. That's what that's like the four of us that, that had PD riding on the rag ride that we were out there doing something about it. Yeah, it's like amazing. All the difference in the world, special mentally, special, especially mentally. And you're uh, writing a book about your experiences with Parkinson's. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, I am. I've, you know, I figured it's um, it's time to put it down on the page. And one of my friends from the Ragbri, that um, she has it also. She's had it about a year and a half now. Um, she, the two of us are going to go in on, on a book together and and just it's like P, PD 101 or Parkinson's for Dummies or something like that. Um, but it's just it's just what, what has transpired with me in the past. I think I'm going to my eighth year now, and uh, how things have gone uh, for better, as far as I'm concerned, and just positive attitude. And, and the book will, will lay out a, a blueprint for what I would like to do is is more of a like a resource center based on what I experience and my co-author experience uh, when you first start is like. Doctor number one, as I call it, you know the bad experience with that, and then the doctor number two, who's with who I'm with now, and everything, all your trials and tribulations that I've done and gone through over the past seven, eight years, and where I am now, and why I am there now, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, believing in yourself, um, being having good doctors on the eastern and the western side of the coin. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of you gotta you gotta be open to a lot of different things. And if I can just change one person's mind into going forward with being more positive about themselves, that's my goal. Oh, that's amazing. So this research center will actually be a physical center located uh, where you live? Well, for starters, yeah, it'll be, it'll be somewhere here in Denver. Um, what I'd like it to do is there are so many questions you you ask of yourself and ask out there when when you get diagnosed that you don't know where any of the answers may lie. It's overwhelming. The disease itself, when you first take it all in, is, is overwhelming. Let alone, you have to do some. You have to be your own advocate and be do your own research on it. Or if you have an incredible spouse, uh, they they help you along the way. But the resource center will be, you'll be able to walk in, and the way I picture it is, you'll have all the different types of therapies uh, re- represented in some way or face or manner. So that you know, when you ask someone, well, what does a neurologist do? Or, How do you find a neurologist? And we can give them some basic answers on uh, what they do, what they can do, medicines. Um, I'd like to have a computer program that they have now that says, you know, you, it's a matrix that says, okay, if I'm taking Tylenol, it can, does it conflict with ibuprofen? And it says yes or no. So you can walk up to it because there's a lot of times that when you're taking meds and stuff that. Um, you didn't know that uh, medicine A was going to conflict with medicine D, even though your doctor should. Sometimes you, you, if you go to multiple doctors, they give you different things. You don't know if it's going to mix properly. But maybe it would be a computer screen. You can come up and do that. I'd like to also have like a multi-purpose room where uh, you know we'll, we can have offer classes like in Tai Chi and maybe ballroom dancing and all the different things, that, that the modalities that help Parkinson's. Uh, also, uh, there's a couple there's a couple of new machines that are on the, uh, the horizon that are coming out that I think will help alleviate um, motor motor problems with uh, Parkinson's patients. 
um, so they can see them or they can use them. Um, just a whole variety of and what does acupuncture do for you, that type of thing. Uh, will it help me? Will it not help me? Um, we're not we're not there to say this is the way you should go. Uh, all I'm there for is to give you the resources that I needed when I first started it with my Parkinson's. That sounds absolutely incredible to me. So we have to set an agenda here. I need to be able to do, first of all, a, a radio program show with you and your co-author when you uh, release your forthcoming book. Sure. And I need to do another radio show when you get your resource center up and running so you can talk okay. about what's in there and let everybody peep, uh, know about it and uh, so people right. can come and start using it. Right, and just uh, what, what I envision it also to do is to be like a template that you could pick up and move it to any other area of the country. Uh, that would be absolutely awesome. So, so John Carlin, I want to thank you so much for uh, telling us all about what's happened to you over the last six months. We'll have to do another follow-up here in six months. Um, given all the exciting things that have happened just in six months, I can't imagine what the conversation is going to be like six months from now. Who knows? It'll be, the books, it'll be the book signing at Borders. Ah, that sounds great. I'd, I'd love to be able to be there in person. Then we can do the uh, the actual interview over the instead of over the phone. We can do it uh, with the microphone. Sounds good to me. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Robert. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day.